It's the Morgan Evans More or Less Pickleball podcast coming at you in three, two, one, boom. My guest today might very well be responsible for basically everything. She's our Joan of Arc, she's our Amelia Earhart, and our Florence Nightingale. The woman behind the scenes without whom there would be no scene. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the president of PickleballTournaments.com, Melissa McCurley. Melissa, how are you, sweetie? Good, good, good. You've been on the road. Any, uh, any fun little adventures on the way? Oh, well, I wouldn't call it fun, but my car started... It started shaking a couple of times on the trip over here. It was like 440 miles. And so that was a little unnerving. So I've actually now dropped it off the Jeep dealership to, so they can uh, see what might be causing that. Hopefully, it's just the wheels not being balanced or something simple like that. So uh, you seem to drive to a lot of these places. Are you kind of adverse to flying or you just love the uh, the road trip? I, if I can drive to a tournament, then I prefer to do that. Driving is usually if it's within eight hours. And so that's pretty much the Southeast region here of the country. And it's, you know, just easier to pack all your stuff, everything that you need to take. But I have to fly a lot and I don't like flying at all. No worries. Well, I, I imagine at some point, you know, before you were the backbone of uh, the fastest growing sport in the planet, possibly, certainly America. You must have done something else and, and developed a, a love of the game. How did you get into pickleball? So we had a relative that brought a pickleball set to my mom's house for Christmas in Texas. And so we used to all come to her house uh, during that time. And we just put it up in the driveway and we would play. And as far as we knew, we were the only one that knew what pickleball was. And it was this you know game we played at Christmas in our driveway. That's <laughs> how you know we learned about it and... You know, that was our first introduction to it. Fair enough. Was Now, when? how long ago was this? Because for me, there was no pickleball before I started, and I, I'm always shocked that other people were playing well before me. When was this approximately? Before the first nationals? After the first nationals? It would have been before. It was like 2007, and the first wow. nationals was in 2009. And, you know, this was Texas, and I got transferred with my job to Phoenix to be in charge of the global voice and data infrastructure for American Express, and I played a flex league tennis, and I was out playing tennis in Surprise, Arizona. I lived in North Phoenix and this girl on my tennis team said something about her dad being a national pickleball champion. Ooh. And I said, what? I said, excuse me. <laughs> uh, so she started telling me, yeah, it's this big deal. There's this big national tournament in November out in Buckeye, Arizona. She's like, you should check it out and go see what I'm talking about. So I did, I drove out to surprise. I went into these active adult communities and I couldn't believe what I saw. I saw all these people playing pickleball on real pickleball courts and to me at the time they looked like these little mini tennis courts and <laughs> I called my mom back home in Texas and it told her what was going on about you know this pickleball and these active adults and so her and my stepdad Bruce uh, flew out to Arizona and they looked around and they went back home to Texas and put their house up for sale not just for pickleball they came because they also wanted to be closer to me as well pickleball was second second of to that of course <laughs> yes <laughs> good to clarify that Mm -hmm. Wow. So that was 2007. That must have been, uh, well, that was about eight years before I even looked at the sport, or at least seven years. People were dinking. How were they playing back then? Were they dinking? Were they banging? Something in between? 
Oh, geez. I mean, this is, like I said, this is just my family playing in the driveway, you know? And so we, we didn't even know the term dinking. This was just, you know, this was still serving and rushing the net and smashing the ball, you know? <laughs> so this was so fast, I guess, forward to 2009. I moved to Arizona in 2011. My mom and Bruce moved to Arizona and then my mom is playing tennis and then she starts playing pickleball. As she got more involved in pickleball, she was starting to play tournaments and all that type of thing. And, you know, I'm spending $100 a week in corporate America. I, I just don't have time. But she had lost her partner. It, her partner was going to take a cruise and she needed somebody to play. And she asked me if I'd play in the tournament. And I said, well, sure, why not? And so we played in, in one of the surprise tournaments at 4-0 and we got silver that day. And I was Ooh. reminded that my mother normally wins gold. And oh. so that felt really good. <laughs> Mark, Mark Friedenberg was the tournament director. And, and uh, so he's the one that, you know, uh, as he donned the medal, right, delivered that message. And so, and then after that, uh, my mom, some friends of my mom's, you know, said, hey, you think Melissa would come play in our Sunday pickleball group? They were called the Heathens because they played on Sunday. <laughs> and so I went out and that was May of 2014. And when I went out, there was a lady there named Jetty Lanius, and I never heard Jetty's name, didn't know Jetty, anything. And so she asked me, you know, what, what I was doing in pickleball. And at the time, my brother and I were starting to be interested in perhaps maybe we could have our own facility, you know, somewhere back home in Texas or Florida or something along those lines. So we started this little apparel thing to get to know some people. And, you know, that's what I told her. And she goes, well, my uh, husband and I have this software called pickleballtournaments.com. You know, would you be interested? And we're like, well okay, we can take a look. Now, keep in mind, I built a 20-year career in information mm. technology doing quite well for myself, right? Yeah. And uh, wasn't really looking for anything. So when people ask me about thewalterance.com, I'm like, it found me. You know, I, I certainly wasn't looking for it. And so we talked to her husband, Bob, on the phone, had met him in person. He sent us out to Southern uh, California to the SoCal Classic. And back then it was at Melba Bishop on eight courts. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Were you there? Yeah, I, I went to the first couple of SoCal Classics. Me and me and Kim and uh, Marcin tried to make a mm -hmm. name for ourselves back in the day. And uh, Vicente was peddling the keys. And it was good old <laughs> days, the all or nothing days. Well, you, you can't say trying to make a name. You guys not only made a name, but continue to have a make name today. And I remember you guys coming in. I mean, it was it was a big deal. And, you know, you're still a big deal. So um, you guys have been pioneers yourselves. We're getting the band back together as well. Marcin and I are playing a, a tournament in Newport. Was it the 4th of July weekend? His knee looks like it's um, back in reasonable shape, so we're doing it. It's going to be Well, good I am excited to hear that. I know, you know he had reached out to me about what uh, qualifying tournaments were still out there, and uh, so I responded back to him on that, and I'm like thinking, yes, because the last time I had talked to him, I wasn't sure he was ever coming back. So, no, yeah. wow, how exciting is that? No one saw it coming, but now I, I can't get out of bed without a message saying, oh, can you play today? Are we drilling? So it's, um, it's an exciting time to be alive. With the original Shake and Bake, we'll get back in the, back in the game. Now, is this like everyone's hearing this here first, or is yeah, this like oh, yeah. no news? Yeah, except for a handful of people uh, at the club that I work and well, and the friends of theirs, and there was a dog on the road that I mentioned it to. He probably said a few things. But. <laughs> so basically everyone that uh, I've seen in person for the last uh, six days knows about it. But you're the next person. So Okay. Well, yeah. I am glad. And, <laughs> I, you know, I saw a tell at Marson's story just real quickly because I found myself, you know, I can play pickleball pretty well myself. Now, you know, back before all of these 
know, pros and stuff come in. I mean, every once in a while, a metal picture will come up and there I am on the stand with the (laughs) likes of Joey Farias and Sarah Ansbury. And then here's Melissa, right? (laughs) And so I remember going to Spain and playing and I was playing with Daniel Moore. What a super, super guy and so much fun to play with. And Daniel and I are playing this pro event and we come up against Marcin and Jennifer Lucor. And oh my gosh, (laughs) I, I'm not even sure I ever saw the ball go by me. Okay. (laughs) I had never seen a pickleball hit so hard in all my life. Literally the game, the two games that we played were, it it was like five minutes and the game was over. I mean, I I couldn't believe what just happened. So that was my first time to be across the net for Marson. Daniel and I did get fourth. I should say Daniel got fourth. I, you know, I did the best (laughs) that, that I could. And, um, but, and then I got to go on to support Marson as he being a tournament director for his lakes tournament and just, uh, just a super, super individual, always happy, makes people feel like they're the most important person in the world when he's around them. And I just, he's so great for the game and we've really missed him being on the court. Yeah, no, no, we're, we're all excited to see him back and, uh, I will do my best to, Get him somewhere near a, a podium somewhere. Even if, even if I have to buy a podium for us just separately here in the <laughs> desert. Well, you guys have such great chemistry on the court. <laughs> so, but I, I need to finish my story though. Because so oh, this yeah. was Mel- we got off of that on Melba Bishop SoCal Classic, right? Mm. And so that was in May of 2014. So my brother and I went out to help Dennis and, and Gail Daisy and Keith Chapman at the time run the tournament. And uh, we learned a ton. We finished evaluating the software through the summer. In August of 2014, we bought the software. And so I continued on with my job at American Express for another three years while we're trying to grow the pickleballtournament.com business. And then it was just growing so fast that I had to eventually leave my corporate career. And, you know, I know my family thought, what in the world are you doing? And I don't know that I knew either, to be honest. I just know I'm called to do things. Yeah. And I don't always understand them, but I know I'm supposed to go do them. And I do. And my world and my life has never been the same, all in a positive way. And uh, it's been the most rewarding experience. Because people ask me this too, would you do it all over again in a heartbeat? You know, I'll never see the money that I saw in the corporate world, but what I've gained in friendships and quality of life and experiences, you just can't put a value on it. For sure. Yeah, you can't take that money with you. And no. you know, the only... only people that have lost out of all this is American Express. They were never the same once <laughs> once you lost. I mean, I remember the day. Stocks just crashed. <laughs> uh, stocks didn't crash, but, you know, I still stay in touch. And th- there were a couple of odd, uh, times they did want me to, to come back, but, you know, they knew I was off on this venture and, and that probably wasn't going to happen. But that was the best company to work for because one piece of the, uh, you know, story about American Express is my boss wanted me to be very successful in this transition. So he asked me if I would stay on uh, part-time as a consultant to him and he would continue to pay me my full-time salary. Oh, wow. I about fell out of my chair when that happened and so you talk about a calling i mean and then that is followed with this super huge blessing that allowed me to try to make make you know a go of this and then of course it grew so fast and then ultimately i merged uh, the business with pickleball central uh, Mm. which has been about three and a half years ago now and that was absolutely the best decision at the time it was my brother and i were in business with each other absolutely yeah. best decision that could have ever been made you know and here we are in uh, 2021 you know professional tours you know we've got all kinds of relationships with different you know pickleball companies and the game's just exploding it's crazy it really is uh, you still have to kind of pinch yourself to to remember what it was like and think of it now 
Okay, we're going to hold it there briefly for a quick word from our sponsor, Coach Meat Pickleball. Practice makes perfect, right? My name is Morgan Evans, and I have to tell you that practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes progress. That's why we've created Coach Me Pickleball. At Coach Me Pickleball, you'll find an extensive and growing library of lessons on topics covering every aspect of pickleball for every level of player. For one small monthly fee, you'll get access to every video in our library with new content added every month. Check out coachmepickleball.com to sign up for a free seven-day membership. You've had a, a ringside seat to, to every major tournament that the game has ever seen, basically. So, you, you know, because of that, you've got a unique perspective on the, on the growth of the game. What, what do you think has been the kind of biggest change you've seen in the last uh, you know, five or six years? Oh, well, when I came on the scene, a large tournament was eight courts uh, with about 220 players. And, right, and they were 5-0 skill levels. We really didn't have pro divisions. And, you know, so fast forward five to six years later, an average size tournament anymore is 800 players. And now there's professional divisions that are included. And, and now there are people that are actually making money just playing pickleball, not necessarily having to teach and that sort of off the court. Now, it's not, not large, large numbers, but who would not even thought of that was possible five or six years ago? Yeah, that's that's totally true. I can't think of too many aside from Ben that uh, could literally put down their, their day jobs and rely on uh, tournament winnings alone. But we've got, mm-hmm. at least got one. And, uh, you know, once you've got one, you can get two. <laughs> or three or four, right? Or three so, or four. It'll happen. Yeah. It'll, it's uh, slowly but surely. We'll all be able to quit our day jobs and I'll, well, I'll just focus on the commentary and stuff like this, talking to people like you. Oh, and then vol- the volunteer base, right? So, I mean, everything around pickleball was done on volunteers. And uh, a lot of that's transitioned. And now there's all these pickleball companies that have started that put on events, you know, so they're event management businesses that are now running pickleball tournaments and pickleball events. Uh, and, they're, you know, some of them call them tournaments, some of them call them events, because there's some that are really working to make this big experience around what happens at a tournament, not just on the pickleball court, but off of the pickleball court as well. And so those are some significant changes. So um, you still have a huge volunteer base, but there's so many more companies and businesses now out there than there were five or six years ago. And one of the biggest statistics that really shows the difference in the growth and the change is, you know, six years ago, the top two players in the country were in their late 60s. Wow. And look where we are now. And that was Pat Kane and Mark Friedenberg. There were two paddle companies. Now there's over 90 you know, that just kind of gives you some scope and scale of just how fast the game has grown. I'm trying to think of a day that Mark Friedenberg was in his 60s. He's one of those, <laughs> he's, he's one of those people. He's like Morgan Freeman. He's looked 80 for about 40 years. <laughs> he's going to love you for that. <laughs> I know. He, he still hates me. I, I remember twice in a row, I did drop shot return of serves against him and Dan Gabanak in an indoor tournament. It was in Oregon somewhere about six years ago, and I thought it was the funniest thing because he couldn't reach either of them, and he didn't think it was that funny at all. But he forgave me, and we had a beer. I think it was good. So him and Heather were lovely people. You know, Mark Friedenberg, the Yoda of pickleball, now you know, <laughs> Hall of Famer. He's a special guy. He is. He is. We'll always embrace Friedenberg. Well, maybe I'll get him on the get him on the show. You should. He would be entertaining. You know, he's got a very interesting background as well. He's a very, very smart guy. Mm. I know that's going to be hard for anybody to believe, <laughs> but he is. <laughs> no, I believe. And actually, he was the first guy I ever played with who was a 
you know, kind of professional 5.0 player. And when I moved up to Seattle in it was the summer of 2014, I reached out to actually reached out to Pickleball Central because they were the first people that came up on Google. And mm. uh, I asked them who I could get in touch with to try and play some games at a decent level. And they gave me Mark Friedenberg and Don Pascal's phone numbers, which I thought was a bit weird. But anyway, they agreed yeah. that I could come and at least watch their Tuesday uh, games at the Redmond Senior Center. And the rest is history. I met, I met with wow. Brian, Ash- yeah, Brian Ashworth and Chris Miller. And I saw them throwing paddles and yelling at people from afar. And I thought, that's, you know, that's the job for me. Well, yeah, because then you saw some young people now for the first time yeah, too, right? Exactly, yeah. I mean, but now that I'm hearing you talk about this and, and that experience, I mean, you know this makes you an old-timer too, right? Uh, oh, uh, well, geez, it <laughs> seems like we're breaking up. The, the line is running, <laughs> running. <laughs> I can't hear you. No, no, I get it. I'm old, I'm old. But I'm not that old. The game has just gotten younger. It's not me. No, I just meant you're an old timer <laughs> when it comes to the game. That's all. That's you, can, all. you can say veteran. That, that, that just sounds better. Does that sound better? How about legend? Uh, well, let's not say things we can't take back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I appreciate that anyway. <laughs> okay, and uh, I do have a question. You know, you've seen the explosion from the Big Bang, I guess, so to speak, in the game of pickleball. And we've gone from a couple of hundred players to now more than 2,000 players in the, the biggest tournaments. The amount of money, the corporate uh, enterprises coming in, can we continue to kind of have our cake and eat it too? I, you know, pickleball's always been this incredible social event, you know, almost a circus to a large extent. Everyone hangs out with everybody. There's no behind closed doors. Here are the pros and there's everyone else. You know, it's all been one big happy family. How much longer do you think we can survive like that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, if I, if I had a crystal ball, I, I wouldn't necessarily predicted where we are now. But I do think that there are a lot of things that are happening and being created through the two professional pickleball tournaments that are now out there. And now USA Pickleball has a you know, professional series that they've put together that is going to be bringing in larger non-endemic type sponsors that's going to bring more exposure to the game. And this is going to have some of the media outlets that give exposure to the game in ways that we have never seen before. And as that type of exposure and sponsorship comes in, more money comes into the game, more players come into the game, more fans come into the game, more spectators are coming into the game. And I think it's very possible in the next five to six years, we could very well see a separation in professional pickleball and and amateur pickleball where professional pickleball is standing on its own. Yeah. I mean, I think that's to some people, that's basically the sign the sport has made it where we're not sort of piggybacking off the entrance fees of amateur players. You know, that doesn't happen. Well, I I know, I know, but purists will always want the two to meet and to kind of be played in conjunction with each other. It's not something that happens in other professional sports. You don't see, you know, Wimbledon uh, amateurs playing at the same time as the professionals. Right. The question has to come, at what point can the professional game stand on its own two feet and what's it going to take to get there? But I think you've answered those kinds of questions wonderfully. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Um, Now, I have a couple of random questions. You know, you've pumped out so many matches in a day. I I hear some astronomical numbers, five, six hundred. What's your record for being able to pull off these big tournaments? 
so records in a day and that yeah. we just uh, pummeled this record just at the us open this year in 2021 951 matches in one day oh. uh, the most number of matches run in a single tournament 4,000 uh, 194. And of the matches, then you, if you break it out into games, um, we've done uh, single tournaments that had well over 7,000 games uh, that were part of those tournaments. So wow. it's mind boggling to think about that. But when you're running a tournament that has 60 courts, like in the way of Naples, I mean, I mean, you can be running, you know, about 80 matches an hour. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it goes pretty, it's a pretty fast pace. That's amazing. And th- were those all refereed matches? They were not all refereed. They did make an attempt to referee all of the matches at the U.S. Open this year. I believe 67% of them were actually achieved. All the others were handled with a match starter in which uh, somebody went out, got the match started, make sure everybody understood how the match was to be played, uh, what help and assistance that they could get in the event that they had an issue, and then you know how to make sure their match was processed once their match was completed. That's fair enough. And I think to a large extent, certain levels are less requiring of, of referees than others. And uh, we certainly always support all the efforts of the refs. Without them, it doesn't have quite the shine. It's time now for another episode of My One and a Half Cents. I've noticed in recent times, the art of sandbagging has become less Picasso and more monkeys throwing their own crap on the wall. It's bad, and it's getting worse. A few months ago, I met a delightful bloke, and after training with him for a few hours, I found out he was competing in 5-0 men's and 3-5 mixed. He reported that all he did was ask the tournament director and explain that it was his mixed partner's first tournament. What happened? What happened here, people? When did this begin? To be clear, it's different these days. It used to be that players simply weren't rated accurately and therefore weren't technically doing anything nefarious. That's obviously still a problem, but these days, however, they're being allowed by tournament directors to compete well below their rating. Because of this, we're getting a snowball effect. When tournaments started running again, honest players saw quickly that there were Olympic-level sandbaggers, and so the only way they could compete on a level playing field was to do the same. This has to stop. It's getting out of control. The ratings aren't perfect, of course not. But that's all we have right now. We can't descend any further into chaos. Clearly, the buck has to stop somewhere. So if you're a tournament director with the power to take someone's money and allow them to sandbag, stop. Just stop. If you're a player that knows others in the field that are playing well beneath their level, confront them. Pull out of the tournament. Tell the tournament director if they don't already know. Don't wait for a governing body to make a foolproof rating system. That may never happen. I tell you, if I end up losing a 3-5 mixed tournament against Ben and Simone then I fear all will be lost. In short, let's get it together, Pickleball. Come on. Okay, that's enough of a rant from me. Let's head back over to Melissa. Do you think refs kind of are incentivized enough in in the modern game to, you know, for the whole referee pool and the referee accreditation process and how many we can actually start building? Do you think it's on point at the moment? Does it need any changes? 
it needs a lot of changes. You know, I'm sitting out here looking at the Finley Center right now here in Hoover, Alabama, and, you know, Mark Pfeiffer from the director of officiating is here. You know, it's the USA Pickleball Indoor National uh, Tournament. Mm. And all, you know, certified refs from everywhere are coming in to be a part of this and to be a part of history. It's the, the first one ever. And they plan to ref every single match here. But to your point, as the game continues to explode, the ability to be able to ref every single match and every single tournament becomes a, you know, harder and harder goal to achieve. And the referees are not getting younger. There's not a big influx of referees that are coming in. And so I think that there has to be uh, kind of a rehaul, overhaul, if you will, I guess I should say, um, to the entire referee program that really taps more into local communities. You know, like how they have officials that they may be doing soccer, they may be doing basketball, they could be doing volleyball. And pickleball needs to be added into those programs because there's so many referees that are in the game now that have been doing the heavy lifting for years. Mm. And, you know, it's difficult to find people who want to come into the game and do jobs, if you will, and not be playing the game, you know, as much as they might want to. So I think there has to be some creative ways to continue to grow pickleball, do better reaches into other officiating type programs that adds pickleball to them so that you can reach out into that local community. And and to do that, you're going to have to be able to compensate them in a way that's going to be appealing. And if you have more local resources that don't have all of the costs associated with having to travel to those locations, then, you know, that's where you can really grow your pool. The referees that are in the game today, what little compensation that they get does not cover their expenses. They are no doubt doing it for the love of the sport. Yeah, it's it's a labor of love. And you can tell the ones that really enjoy it because they're there week in, week out. And you know, there's only so many Byron and, and Marsha Fresos on this world. And we certainly need more of them. Do you think it kind of starts at the top, though, in that if a USA Pickleball can accumulate enough corporate sponsorship that they can kind of really subsidize the whole program and make sure that uh, every ref, when they're playing in a a sanctioned event especially, are well compensated. And so suddenly a would-be ref can uh, reach out and realize that I can can make 50 or 60 grand traveling the country and refereeing tournaments for a year. And that's not a bad gig. Perhaps professional pickleball could eventually drive that, you know, like you have umpires in major league baseball and there's these umpire teams, right. And they travel from, you know, different uh, events, depending on which league that they're actually assigned to. And these are, you know, very highly skilled umpires in their particular profession. So I could see that as something that could occur with pickleball, especially on the professional side of the sport, as these referees hone their skills and uh, become professionals themselves in their ability to consistently referee professional matches. And that, I think, is something very possible as more sponsorships and uh, come in through different types of corporations. But, you know, I think the USA Pickleball has done a tremendous job creating a structure. And, you, you know, you talk about, you know, I called you an old timer. Right? I mean, <laughs> what does that make me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Still a spring chicken, don't worry. <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> Always the smooth talker, you, Morgan. Wouldn't have a microphone without it, really, would I? No, but I hope you got clothes on, okay? Because I've seen some of your stuff. This isn't going to be, this is just a voice thing, right? There's no, no, uh, no video. All right. <laughs> I, wear, I, wear this, I wear the same smoking jacket slash robe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, well, I'm not going to describe the rest of it, but. Uh, okay. It's fine. <laughs> All right. I guess I will move on. I'm sorry to digress. <laughs> Uh, And so, you know, back when I came in, there wasn't a training program or really a structure to be able to grow and certify referees at the time. And so I think about this a lot as I was 
growing up and surprised Arizona. And, you know, uh, I didn't have any idea when I came on to pickleballtournaments.com that the demand for the services to actually come and run tournaments would be so high. And I can remember Lynn and Linda Lehman looking at me and saying, Melissa, if you would have told us that you would have been in demand like this to go all around the country to run pickleball tournaments, we would have told you you're crazy. That would never happen. And now, you know, look where we are now. We're, we're, we're really not a software company at pickleballtournaments.com. We are a services business, consulting, registration, training, tournament management, you know, that type of thing. So, but I'm in surprise growing up in pickleball and I watched this entire referee program evolve right in front of me. And the layman's, you know, created this training program, continued to evolve, turns into a certification program, and it's very structured. And then the USA Mm. Pickleball puts a director of officiating in place, and then they've got regional directors in place. And so, you know, they're very consistent, and it's a a great quality, you know, program. Some people think it's too rough, too tough uh, to actually get through. But like anything, you've got to put the commitment to it. It's going to be a learning curve. You've got to be committed to get through that learning curve. So I think that they've done a great job. USA Pickleball and putting the foundation together that allows an entry point for people to come into the pro uh, into the program and this being the referee program to have the skills that they need to improve the quality and efficiency of pickleball tournaments mm. and so but just like I said I think that those skills can go to another level for people that can become professionals at it and so I think that that base and that foundation and that structure is then what is now going to allow that pipeline for that next level ref to be put in place. And I haven't had any opportunity to talk with USA Pickleball about what their vision is for this type of future that we're talking about. Mm. But now you got my brain spinning. And when Ooh, my brain okay. gets to spinning like this, you just better look look out. <laughs> just look out. <laughs> look out. <laughs> yes, no, it, it, everyone around you needs to be aware that something could happen and a light bulb could go off and wake everybody up in the middle of the night. Uh, well, because I wake up two o'clock in the morning. I mean, wide eye, and then the brain kicks on, and you can forget it. I'm just oh. not going to go back to sleep after that. So it's the worst thing, isn't it? I take melatonin every night for that for that reason. That's the, for me. It's the only chance to get the hamster to get off the wheel at two uh, thirty in the morning. Well, you know what people say about people like us, right? Where they're um, like, we're alcoholics. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, they're either right on the brink of being madmen. Or oh, mad women, or okay. geniuses, right? Oh, I <laughs> or see. Now okay. I got a third one, an alcoholic. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I just always figured it was uh, that moment where the, you know the alcohol turns into carbs, and you're just kind of, you know, just wired because of that. But I like your idea much better, and I'll just edit all that other stuff out. Yeah, very good. We're geniuses. Forget the alcoholics. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay. Oh my goodness. I do remember the first time I ran a, a tournament. In the beginning, before I'd actually got to the site, I was planning on trying to do it all manual uh, or using some antiquated tennis uh, software. And I quickly realized that uh, going that route versus uh, using the pickleballtournaments.com software was going to be a nightmare. And I obviously had some some questions early on, and, and I think I got in touch with you, I, just emailing info at pickleballtournaments.com. And I remember feeling shocked that it seemed to be you from the website that actually got back to me. And I uh, thought, well, there's got to be hundreds of schmucks like me trying to figure out how to uh, how to get a bracket out in timely fashion. Uh, how is it possible <laughs> that um, this woman is able to answer all of us? And I still don't know. There's only so many hours in the day. How, how do you do it? Would you tell me if it's Adderall? 
Yeah, it's definitely not Adderall. And things have really changed since. So back then when you're talking about, and I remember your Shadow Mountain, I think was the name of one of your tournaments. Um, um, and the Andalusia Pickleball Challenge was my first one. And you actually, you sent your brother to come and do it for me, which was very kind of you. <laughs> well, then there you go. So, uh, you know, back then, I, my brother was handling the technology, but it, literally, I was the only one that was handling all the emails and all of the phone calls and everything that had to do with the business aspect of, of our business. And so uh, when I would tell people, you know, literally 18 hours a day, every single day was what the requirement was. And I can remember I was getting ready to run the Southwest Regional Tournament and I had brought my motorhome, put it on site at Surprise. It was being run at the Surprise Courts and I had the US Open registration that was going to be opening at the same time. So last minute, I asked a couple people, Dee Davison and Becky Gibbs, if they could handle the Southwest Regional for me so that I would be on site if there was any issues, but I had to handle this registration that was coming at me. Because when US Open with re registration was open, you'd be pummeled with mm. over a thousand people, right? And I can remember Kelly Gent uh, happened to call me about something and she had been someone who'd run some a few tournaments uh, for us out of North Carolina. I had originally met her in 2015 and I just told her she called me and I'm just venting about all the things I'm trying to do and she just asked me the question she goes could you use, use any help and for the first time this I'd been doing it for three years burning at this pace for the first time I thought you know what I could use some help and she came on to help me and continued to do amazing things and helping me um, be able to do more without working myself 18 hours a day. I could get back to 16 hours a day, right? And a couple of years later, she became a full-time employee and, and continues to do amazing things for us. But I would say the work that I was having to do in corporate America, I was in charge of infrastructure that were very important, you know, and I would work 100 hours a week. Oh. You know, I always say I would slept with one eye open, right? Because at American Express, if your infrastructure is down, that's a million dollars a minute to that particular company. When I was with the Navy, if your infrastructure is down, literally people's lives could be at stake. And so, you know, now I'm running an operation that's about fun and brackets. And people ask me all the time, well, how do you stay so calm? I'm like, no one's going to die here. You know, these are <laughs> these are brackets and I'm not stressed out about brackets anyway. That, uh, okay, well, that explains yeah. it. You were desensitized yeah. to stress by doing something so much more difficult uh, in your previous life that this is, seems like a, a walk in the park. Yeah, and it. I was already used to those kind of hours. And people would literally ask me, Melissa, do you ever sleep? Because if I wake up in the middle of the night, I will check email and I will answer them. And so, you know, even though I may have just been asleep for a couple of hours, you know, I'll wake up, answer the emails, go sleep for another couple of hours, wake up. And, you know, that's just kind of a pattern that I've had for a lot of years. Wow. You know, it may not be healthy. I, I don't want to be the one to tell you that. Um, <laughs> you, should, you, should, you should shoot for seven or eight hours sleep. That's what I hear anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can get I get that on Sundays, so I'm good. Oh, okay. As long as you get a day off. <laughs> well, so what's next on the horizon? You, you know, someone like you doesn't uh, sit still for long. What are you going to run for office, or we could use a president? Uh, oh no, 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 no. So I have you know. So there's more. You just released a lot of new capabilities and functions with pickleballtournaments.com. And so now one of the things that I'm going to be moving to next is bringing Dee Davison on. She's going to uh, help me continue to uh, build our PT Pro team and do some development around growing that team and is also going to be assisting me with building an international training center in which we will train tournament directors and tournament operators how to efficiently and effectively uh, plan, prepare, and execute pickleball events. It's genius. 
That's genius. World domination <laughs> is next on the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you say, but you know, Morgan, I am driven to serve. I truly feel like I have a purpose through that. And back when I came in, you, you know, six years, seven years ago, I guess, I used to be able to get door to door and help people all around the country learn how to run these pickleball events. Now it's gotten so large, right? That now I have to have another way to reach, you know, more people. And this is uh, kind of my vision uh, for doing that. The operative word there is driven. And uh, I think that's what people remember the most when they meet you and they come away from the experience knowing this woman is driven. There's no doubt about it. And I care, you know, I truly, truly care. And I have a real passion for the people and a real passion for the game. And I've seen it change so many people's life and give purpose to many people's lives. And uh, the stories and the people that you meet truly touch your heart. They Mm. truly do. Well, on that note, sweetheart, it's time for us to wrap it up. Thank you so much for all your time. I really appreciate it. I know you've just driven for eight hours straight. So for you to make some time for a little old me, that's much appreciated. And I can't think of anyone I would have rather have spent my time with this evening. It's been a true, true pleasure. Oh, you're very sweet. I'm sure. What, which, uh, which tournament will I see you at next? So I'm coming to San Clemente at the end of this month. So I've just completed eight tournaments. I have 11 more to go. So, uh, and then I'll be at Rocky Mountain. I'll be uh, at Newport Beach and I will be at the Tournament of Champions all in August. Perfect. Well, I guess I'll, I think I'll see you at uh, Newport. Uh, well, good. I will look forward to that. <laughs> Can't wait. Fantastic, sweetie. Well, take care of yourself. Good luck with the indoor champs and we will see you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Morgan. Perfect. Take care. This podcast was powered by Selkirk. This podcast is also brought to you by the next generation of Selkirk Paddle, the Vanguard. Well, folks, that's all we've got time for. It's been an adventure. Hope you've enjoyed our time together. Please tune in next time for another episode of Morgan Evans, More or Less Pickleball. I do remember that documentary, uh, Top Gun.